0: Here we are, second uh, Sunday in December, and I hope that our aim is that uh, together we're trying to be spiritually prepared for celebrating the birth of Christ. No matter how many years you've been around and have celebrated Christmas, you know, I think there's always some element of the story that we need to focus upon and something else we can learn and something else we can take from it to apply to our life every day, and that's what I want us to, to focus on today. It's interesting to me. Uh, Some of the things that people focus on when they are getting ready for Christmas or when the Christmas season uh, begins to roll around. Uh, This was back even before Thanksgiving, uh, early in November. In fact, I think uh, I was at the uh, state convention in November, uh, like November 9, 10 or something like that, uh, when Starbucks came out with the thing that they were just going to use a plain red cup to put their coffee in. And people just kind of went ballistic over that about the fact there was no message about Christmas, nothing Merry Christmas, no decorations, no ornaments, nothing on it. And one pastor put out an ingenious tweet that said he went into a a Starbucks and uh, when they asked him his name, he said his name was Merry Christmas so that they would have to write Merry Christmas on the cup. Well, you know, my response to that is, is you know, if that bothers you, don't go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. You can find a cheaper cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or somewhere else. You know, and and Starbucks never was in the business to proclaim the gospel anyway. So you know, I I'm downtown Tuesday night. I went into the Starbucks. There was Christmas music. They greeted us with a Christmas greeting. There were Christmas decorations hanging there. Cup was plain red, but hey, it looked bright and cheery to me. But it's interesting I, where people will put their emphasis during the Christmas season. Now, according to Lifeway Research, which is our our Baptist work. They discovered that 79% of Americans agree with this statement that Christmas should be more about Jesus. And not surprisingly, 63% affirmed uh, that Christmas activity should include a visit to a church service. And then to this statement, children in public schools should be allowed to sing religious Christmas songs in school sponsored programs. 86% agreed. So I think a lot of our Baptist people have their thoughts together correctly about that. Now, on a totally different uh, swing about thinking about Christmas, I, I read this week that, that every year in the United States during Christmas, the United States produces enough candy canes to circle the earth six and a half times. Now, I don't know who figures that out. And I asked the question, is that standing up or is that the candy canes lying down? Now, who measures that anyway? Okay. Now, back to more realistic, the typical American spends 40% more than they earn during December. And then not surprising that a third of all bankruptcies filed in March cite holiday overspending as one of the major reasons. And then what about stress? You handling that okay? The crowds haven't been too bad, traffic hasn't been too bad on Saturdays. I was out uh, around town yesterday doing various things, and traffic wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, even over at Harborson. But uh, stress bothers a lot of people during the Christmas season. And according to the American Psychological Association, 69% of Americans uh, say they are anxious about the lack of time or money during the Christmas season. Well, there are a lot of different emotions during Christmas. But the major thing we need to focus upon is just the absolute miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ and the story Uh, about the birth of Jesus Christ, because that is what is the heart. That's the very heart and the core of Jesus. And as we look today uh, at this miracle birth of Jesus Christ, maybe we'll find some insight that we've never thought about before and how that relates to us. So we know that the birth of Christ was a virgin birth, and we know that that was a miracle birth. And uh, even recently, uh, this week, there were some things that uh, we found through doing some research, Trina did for me, that uh, of some other recorded miraculous births. Uh, a woman by the name of Tracy, at nine months pregnant, found out she was suffering uh, from eclampsia. And so she had to have, in the same day, back to back, a s- emergency C-section and then open-heart surgery. Can you imagine that? If you mothers have been through, been through labor, can you imagine doing both of those on the same day? But both of them had the same, almost the same hour. Both mom and dad baby were doing fine. Then, this is what's amazing to me. A woman from Utah has beaten one in a billion odds that three of her five children have been born on consecutive leap days, and that ties a world record set in the 1960s. And I don't know whether she and her husband went about trying to break that record, but they tied it anyway. And then on another note, tremendous note, a woman in Detroit, nine months pregnant, was abducted, and her captor kept her uh, for a period of time, and then he shot her, and then he put her on fire, set her on fire. And she was able to roll, put out the fire, and escape by playing dead. And then a few hours later, through 12, well, a day later, through 12 hours of labor, she produced a healthy baby. Isn't that an amazing story? All kinds of emotions and all kinds of things take place during this Christmas season. I witnessed the, the birth of our four children, and to me that's just a miracle that you cannot compare with anything else in this world. The whole process of birth is a miracle of God, and it's a wonderful thing that he lets us be a part of. But today we want to look at the miracle of the birth of Jesus, and I want you to look with me in our scripture today uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And this is the announcement uh, where uh, Gabriel, the angel, comes to Mary to tell her about the birth of Jesus and the miracle that it's going to be. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so Mary then asked the question, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, you just consider that for a moment. Put yourself in Mary's place. What an announcement to be made to her. That she would have a child. And this child would be the long-awaited and long-promised Messiah and Savior. And that she would name him Jesus because he would save the people from his sins and their sins, and he would be great. And that she, a virgin, would have this child through the power of the Holy Spirit and not through the sexual relations with her betrothed husband, Joseph. So, what was Mary's response? I think a logical one. She wanted to know how all this would come about, and she said, How? You know, she said, How will this be since I'm a virgin? She and Joseph had kept their dating and their engagement pure in terms of sexuality. And the answer came from the angel Gabriel that explained the process that it would be through the working of God, through the Holy Spirit of God, and ended this whole section by saying, For nothing is impossible with God. And what's amazing to me is that Mary believed, this young peasant girl, Maybe somewhere between 12 and a half to 17, something like that, those years of age. And what a maturity she has. She hears that, she listens, she asks a question for clarification, and then she believes and she submits herself to God's plan, and she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Do with me as you wish. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Somebody has pointed out that Mary probably could be called the first New Testament Believer. Now, when we look at this story, what we understand is that Christmas is really a celebration of miracles, and especially the miracle of the birth of Jesus. One of the best-known prophecies that we find in the Old Testament about the birth of Jesus comes in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And the prophet Isaiah is speaking to Ahaz on a certain occasion, and he's talking about deliverance at that certain time, but it's also a promise of the forerunner of the Messiah who would come. And Isaiah says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then 700 years later, when Mary gave birth to her son in the manger in Bethlehem, Matthew, the gospel writer, cited these exact words as a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Now, we know that was a miraculous birth. A virgin birth through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary. But what's so special about him? And why do we need to consider the miracle of this birth and see what else we can understand about it during this Christmas season? Well, I think there are at least three things that we need to focus upon. First of all, is that Jesus was born of a virgin as God in the flesh. Now, we know... That's impossible for a virgin to give birth the way that Mary did, unless God miraculously intervenes. In July 1978, a little girl named Louise Brown was born in England. Anybody remember the significance of her and her birth? Anybody remember that? First, what we called then test tube baby. Remember that? Since then, many children have been brought into this world and many families have been blessed with the birth of children through the process that's known as in vitro fertilization. We think, well, that's a miraculous process. Well, in some sense, it is. But if you look at the total concept, it's the same thing uh, of conception. It's still a a male sperm pregnating a a female egg and producing a child. The only thing different is the place of conception. That it's outside of the body. Uh, even in the face of modern science, the conception of Christ remains the one unique virgin birth. Science can never tell us how this came about. The marvels of, of medicine can never explain to us how this virgin birth took, about, took place. Except to say it was a miracle of God. And the greatest miracle of conception that the world has ever known. And if the God who spoke everything into existence in this world could do that, then certainly he could suspend the laws of the universe that he created and he could have a virgin to become impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Don't you agree? But the question is, why? You know, Mary asked, how? We ask today, why? Why did he do it? Why was it necessary for Jesus to be born of a virgin? That was necessary because Jesus, God's Messiah, was more than a man, he was more than a prophet. He was God's own Son. He was God in the flesh. See, Jesus' life did not begin when he was born in Bethlehem in that stable. He, he is the pre existent incarnate God. Uh, Jesus has always existed, and Jesus is God, part of that triune Trinity God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one who created the world. In the beginning, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made that's the way John introduces in John 1 the concept of Jesus coming to us as the word who was incarnate now those claims have never been made by any other founder or leader of a religious cult Not by Buddha, Muhammad, or Confucius. None of them claimed to have existed eternally. None of them claimed to be God. None of them claimed to have created the universe. But Jesus did, and he had good reason to, because he was God in the flesh. And he would say, I and the Father are one. And he goes back to the I am statement that God makes to Moses way back in Exodus when he sent in him before Pharaoh. And God says, I am who I am. That's an emphatic statement that he makes that I am God in flesh. And so Jesus was born of a virgin as God in the flesh. And the second thing to look at this story and and to make sure we understand from this is Jesus was born of a virgin being fully human. He comes as God in the flesh, but he also comes being fully human. Isaiah's prophecy said that the virgin will give birth to a son. Uh, Even though Jesus was part of that triune God, that trinity, he comes as a human being. He left the glories of heaven, he gave up his right, and he came to earth in obedience to God. That's That's what Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, and he says, "...who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Paul's writing affirms for us that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he was God in the flesh, but he was also fully human. And that is certainly a miraculous experience That he's both God and human at the same time. And this is a marvelous display of the attitude that Jesus had. That that, that he was not willing to hold on or grasp or, or to selfishly hold on to his Godhead. But that he would release it so that he could come to earth in obedience to God's plan and be a man. A human being and walk where we would walk. It's interesting that in the early days of Christianity, one of the uh, first heresies that came up about Jesus uh, was not about the fact that he was really God, but it was that he wasn't really human. They would say he was more like a spirit moving. He, he would walk and he wouldn't leave footprints, you know. And, and uh, Gnosticism really brought that to the greatest extent. That's why John would write uh, in his letter of 1 John And he would say, this is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So that's where he comes with that humanity. He's fully God and he's also fully human. You know, I think sometimes when we when we go through this Christmas season, that we still haven't fully grasped that, have we? That this baby who came is both God and is both man at the same time. You know, in fact, sometimes I think we skip over the, 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 the human part of it. In fact, in one of the hymns we sing, one of the great songs about that, in, in a way in a manger that we sing, it says, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. How do we know that? If he was a normal baby, he's gonna cry at some point. If he's hungry or wet, he's gonna cry, right? I know there's some people who have this idea that, that Jesus just kind of floated through, through life here, and, and he didn't, know anything about the suffering of humanity he never felt pain or sorrow or frustration or anger or temptation but that's not the Jesus in the gospel the gospels clearly tell us through the life of Jesus that he did feel pain he did experience sorrow he faced temptation he dealt with his anger he became completely human when he didn't eat he became hungry when he worked in his carpenter shop and cut his hand he bled when his friend Lazarus died he wept he was fully human now, what's the significance of that for you and for me today? It, it reminds us that God came in Jesus at Christmas to identify with us, to reveal himself to us in a totally different way. And so that means for us that he understands everything that we experience in life. He understands what it means to be tempted and to go through temptation. He understands what it feels like to be rejected. And we get rejected on a lot of different levels in life. Whether we don't get included in the in crowd. Or we don't get to raise at work. Or we don't get the job that we want. You know. Or we didn't get the, anything that was our heart's desire. We didn't get what we wanted for Christmas. But God understands those things. He understands how it feels to be alone. He, he understands the human experience completely. Because he came as a man and fully God. And the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us the significance of that by saying, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. I remember that phrase, yet was without sin. And then he goes on to say, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, we're reminded of two things there. That Jesus, as he walked through life, experienced the same things that we experience. Temptation, pain, sorrow, guilt, whatever they all are. And then because of that, we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. And that gives us the right and the encouragement to call on him so that we can receive mercy and grace. Now, the other part to remember about that is is what's so significant uh, and important about the, the miracle of the virgin birth is that Jesus was out sin. He faced everything in life like we do, but he did so without yielding to the sin of it. And the reason for that is that the Messiah, the Savior, had to be a perfect sacrifice for us. He had to have pure blood and a pure body, both free from the stain of sin. And that could take place only through the virgin birth. So it was essential that this Messiah, this Christ who would come, would have to have blood that was not tainted by the sin that came from Adam. Paul says in Romans, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for all have sinned. You know, in Adam's fall, we sin, Adam sin, we fall all. You know, that's, that's the way we remember that about that. But because Jesus was virgin born, he was free from Adam's sinful blood, and it was the blood of God that ran through his body. Jesus was human, but yet he was divine. And he came as the perfect Messiah to pay the penalty for our sin. And so the virgin birth provided God, through Jesus Christ, a pure, holy body in which to live until the time of his sacrifice for our sins. I read a Christmas story that I think illustrates that for us. And it took place in a house when several families were getting together for Christmas. And they had a train set that ran around the base of the tree. Maybe you have two or at least you've seen them. And at some time during the night, the train came off the track. And a little girl in the house was kind of bent over like this, trying to put the train back on the track. And the man who owned the train said to her, Honey, you can't do it from up here. You have to get down to do it. And so what he did was he would lie down beside the train, and then he took the, the, the engine and the next car, and he lifted them up, and he put them on the track. Turn it on, and it worked perfectly. And I think that's an apt description of Christmas and God coming to us. We as human beings, we had gotten off track. We had become derailed by the process of sin. And instead of dealing with it from up here, God came to us here to deal with that. That's the significance of the virgin birth for us and why Jesus came in such purity. Besides it being a theological truth and a miracle of God, then what does it mean for us? Well, practically speaking, uh, what does it teach for us today? And I think it simply says this, that this God who was supernaturally born is capable of spectacular miracles day to day in our life. So Jesus was born of a virgin. He was God in the flesh. He was fully human at the same time. And being that way, God is active and involved and interested in the seemingly insignificant details of our life. And that leads us then to to the third observation about this miracle birth. And that is that Jesus was born of a virgin and he lives with us. Isaiah said they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew went on to say which means God with us. You see, there's more to this marvelous Christmas story than just the birth of Jesus. But the Christmas story teaches us that in Jesus, God is at work in the world in the way in which he never was before. That he sent his son from the glories of heaven to come into our world to be with us, to live with us. You will call him Emmanuel, Matthew said, which means God with us. And you remember in Matthew 28, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples as he commissioned them. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, that's a part of this miracle of the birth of Jesus that we celebrate is that God is with us. He came to show us what he's like. He came to bring to us the perfect sacrifice in Jesus for our forgiveness but he also came through the imparted Holy Spirit to be with us in everything that we experience. See, that means he's with you when you stumble out of bed in the morning. It means when you face the stress of another hectic day, he's with you. It means when you contemplate the uncertainty of the future, and there's a lot of that because of reason. You know, with ISIS and, and uh, the unstable economy and, and shootings that take place around us. You know, there's so much uh, uncertainty in our world today, but the reminder is that God is there with us. As you struggle with loneliness and fear, and it seems to be multiplied during the Christmas season, remember God is with you. And as you wrestle with temptation, no matter what it might be, that God is with you. And and, and what I want you to remember about this entire story is that this this is about the impossible, that God became flesh a human being, to come into our world through a young girl named Mary who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And what did Gabriel say about how all this could take place? Even Elizabeth, who was barren so late in life? With God, nothing is impossible. So think about that as you go through this Christmas season. What what are the impossibilities in your life? We think about, is there the possibility of peace in this world? And we say, no, that's totally impossible. Can we see a a return of Christian values and morals in our culture today? And we say, no, that's totally impossible. What about the possibility of our church right here, Spring Valley Baptist, penetrating our community, reaching our culture with the name of Christ, and seeing lives radically transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And we say, no, that's impossible. they're, They're too far gone. But what about a relative or a great friend breaking the barrier of sin and coming into a personal relationship with Christ? And we say, no, that, that's just impossible. And we go back to Mary's question and we ask, how can this be when all this seems impossible to us? And the answer is still the same from the angel. For with God, nothing is impossible. Because God is with us. So we celebrate at Christmas the, the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus. And at the same time we remember that he came in that manner to be the perfect sacrifice for us. He was obedient to the will of God. He went through the cross and, and there he, as he was nailed to that cross, he died in our place, died for our sins. His perfect blood, not tainted with the sin of Adam, his perfect blood was shed for us so that we could find forgiveness he was dead and on the third day he rose from the dead. And then he was sent into the glories of heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father where he intercedes for us. And one day he will come back and he will claim us. say, wow, what a miraculous story we find that beats all the odds of impossible. And so whatever you might be finding impossible in your life, I want to remind you that through the miracle of this birth of Jesus Christ, That nothing is impossible with God. Relationships can be restored. Your sins can be forgiven. Lives can be changed. People can be radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And hopes and dreams can be fulfilled. Through the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. My prayer for us as a church and for you as an individual that we would experience that this Christmas. Father, we thank you for the love with which you sent your son Jesus Christ into the world. And what a miraculous display of your power and of your love as you sent Jesus for us. And we thank you for that today. But most importantly, we pray that we would have spiritual eyes to see and a spiritual heart to understand the meaning of this birth. And as we celebrate, we can truly focus upon claiming your presence with us and all that that brings into our life as we embrace the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. Father, it is in his name that we pray. Amen.